I said we are still dealing with the Spirit-filled church. With the Holy Spirit series and the subject that we are speaking from is the Spirit-filled church. And under the Spirit-filled church, we are going to speak about power and liberty. Power and liberty today. So just turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we are going to read one verse from that scripture. Now, normally I do not just take one verse. You will know that by now and just preach out of it. But this one verse that I'm going to take this morning, I'm going to preach it with a couple of verses in Acts chapter 1 and then in Acts chapter 5 regarding our subject, power and liberty. So, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. The word of God states, Paul speaks to the Corinthian church and he makes this statement. He says to them, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, referring to the Holy Spirit, there is freedom. Other translations, like the King James Version, will say, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So God bless the reading of his word. Shall we pray? Father, we are grateful. We are grateful, Lord that you give us freedom through your Holy Spirit. And we are here this morning, Lord, and we are tuning in this morning, or where, whenever or whoever will tune in after this, Lord, we are glad and we are happy, Lord, that you transform us and that you change us and that you set us free. For who the Son sets free is free indeed, Lord. And Lord, that happens through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will guide us into all truth this morning regarding your word. I thank you for the revelation that you will give us, that you will reveal yourself unto us much more this morning in Jesus' name, Lord. We say thank you this morning, Lord. It is a cold morning, but we say thank you that we are breathing nevertheless. We say thank you that our family and our friends are safe. To those, Lord, who are struggling with viruses this morning and sicknesses, and those who are struggling with the loss of loved ones, Lord, we also pray, Holy Spirit, that you comfort them, that you counsel them, and that you be with them. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, as we go into your word, I pray, Lord, that you anoint my tongue, that you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I said we are going to speak about power and liberty this morning. Now, we spoke from the verse this morning that the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But before we get there, we are going to explore Acts chapter one. We are going to explore specific text in Acts chapter 1. And the reason why I'm saying that is the first part we said is power. And we are going to speak a little bit about power. Now, the word power in Greek is dunamis. And a lot of people already know that that has been in the church for a very long time. They've heard that the Greek term for power is dunamis which means inherent power. Other people will say it means it comes from the word dynamite in the Greek, uh, which means explosive. But, but the word dunamis is inherent power. And I, I want us to take note of that because one, that means power that resides in 
in a person by virtue, virtue of its nature. There is power that resides in a person by virtue of its nature. In other words, there is the power of the omnipotent Holy Spirit dwelling in the spirit-filled person. That is, I'm going to say it again, that is the power of the omnipotent, the all-powerful Holy Spirit dwelling inside of the person that is spirit-filled. And then second, when I say inherent powers, then second, it is power which a person exerts and puts forth. In other words, there is power that is, that is the power of the omnipotent Holy Spirit, the all-powerful Holy Spirit flowing out of the spirit-filled person both morally and miraculously. So in other words, the first one that I mentioned is power that resides in the person given by the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, it is power flowing out of the person given by the Holy Spirit. Now I said we are going to speak from regarding power from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and we are going to deal with verse 4 first. Now in Acts 1 verse 4, the Bible says, And while staying with them, this is Jesus now, staying with his disciples or his apostles, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which Jesus said, You heard from me. You see, here we have Jesus fellowshipping with the apostles before his ascension. So we know this is just before the ascension of Jesus Christ into the heavens. So we, we have Jesus here fellowshipping with his apostles. And the ESV here, which is the version we, we, what, that, I, that I read from at this specific moment, the ESV here declares that Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The King James Version uses an expression that I like considering this specific text. The King James Version rather says it like this. It says that Jesus commanded. It doesn't say that it ordered because ESV says order, but the King James Version says that Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So the expression commandment there to me is a very important one. I'm not dismissing order, but the, the expression commandment, it, it, it kind of reveals more unto me in terms of the importance of what Jesus had asked from them. So the reason why I like this specific expression that he commanded them is the emphasis the word lays on the importance of waiting for the promise which the Father had promised to them. You see, I love what Apostle G. Maldonado said at one point. In one sermon when teaching on the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Apostle said that it is not an option to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and power, but it is a commandment. It is not an option, but it is a commandment. So that immediately tells me, as a, as, a, as a person in the church, that immediately tells me that the promise is more important than any sermon that I could ever preach. 
because I might have the gift to preach. I might be able to preach or I might be a skillful preacher, but without the promise, it is in vain. Because the promise is a commandment. He said, do not depart from Jerusalem until you have received the promise of the Father. You see, that says to me, that unless I understand that without the promise, ministry and the spiritual life is in vain. I cannot be effective and holy without the Holy Spirit. Which is a point that I also touched on when I spoke about the divine attributes of the Holy Spirit. So the expression commandment in the text brings understanding that the apostles could not start the vision that they had received from Christ, which Christ deposited into their spirits without the promise. So in other words, they could not start ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit. And the question is, who is the promise that Jesus refers to and why is the promise so important? And Jesus answers that question in the following verse. In Acts 1 verse 5, Jesus says to them, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we pick up from this statement that the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father that he alluded to in verse 4. We, we also pick up from this verse that Jesus refers to John's prophetic word regarding the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Remember what John said to the people of Israel, what he said to the Jews? He said, one who comes after him is mightier than he is. He is the one that will baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus refers back to the prophetic word here that John spoke about and he says that he will baptize them with the Holy Spirit not many days, not so many days from now. And this is the process. It is not an option, but a commandment. In fact, Jesus said, this work of grace, he referred to, would happen few days after what he has spoken to them. So the Holy Spirit did not come through promise only, but through process. And that process is not work, but faith. I need us to understand that the process that he spoke about is not work, but faith. And when I say the process that, is, that he referred to was not work, but faith. In other words, they had to believe that the promise that Jesus made at that specific moment to them was going to come to pass few days later. That it would come to pass few days later. So they had to believe that many days from now, that the promise would be fulfilled. And that is a brilliant lesson to us as the church, that every promise God makes or that he gives is to be obtained by faith. Let me say that again. Every promise that we have received through the word of God, that God has given is supposed to be obtained by faith. No wonder God told the prophet Habakkuk that the vision shall come to pass. That is in Habakkuk chapter 2. That the vision shall come to pass for it is for an appointed time. 
The vision will speak and it will not lie. That the soul of the proud is not upright, but the just shall live by faith. So in other words, the, God spoke to the prophet and he said, whatever he speaks, whatever vision he gives to you, whatever vision he gives, it will come to pass. In the end, that vision will speak for itself. It will not lie. But God rejects a prideful spirit. Then he says, but the just shall live by faith. And the, the, the apostles understood this principle when Jesus spoke to them and said to them that he will baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Not many, not many days from now that he will bring the promise to fulfillment. So the apostles understood this and they waited according to Acts chapter 2. If you look at Acts chapter 2, you will see the Bible says they, they were in one accord on the day of Pentecost and they waited for the promise of the Spirit because they believe by faith that the promise will be fulfilled. So they understood that the promise was to be obtained by faith. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, the Word of God says, So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, this is now the apostles asking Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus speaks to them about the promise of the Holy Spirit and the baptism with the Holy Spirit and power. And they speak about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. He says to them, after they ask him this question, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You see, the apostles, knowing that Jesus will not be around very long, in the bodily experience, made sure they asked him this specific question. They still had a secular expectation for the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. In other words, they, they were frustrated just as much as the other Jews were by being subjected to the Roman government, they were being frustrated by this, this system and this government and they still had this carnal thinking regarding the restoration of the kingdom of Israel and so they asked Jesus through frustration, when will he restore the kingdom of Israel? So they walked with him for three years in ministry and they still ask him this question. And Jesus dismisses their secular reasoning by revealing to them that time ultimately is subjected to the authority of God. Let me say that again. Time ultimately is subjected to the authority of God. That's why no man can control time because God himself is in control of time and seasons. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, then Jesus says to them, But you will receive power, very important, you will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus says you will receive power, you will receive the dunamis. 
There is no two ways about it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit, when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will receive power because this is a supernatural strength and ability that enables you both to overcome the flesh, the sin that is in the bodily experience. You will overcome that sin by the power of the Holy Spirit and you will also be enabled. You will have the ability to minister to the lost and the found supernaturally. So, so the reason why power comes upon you is because the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and dark forces that are at hand. So it is important to understand that when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you receive power. The importance of this work is that you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that is power to overcome. You see, it is understood here that Jesus said to them, when they receive that power, that they will be witnesses for him in the world. They will be witnesses for him in the world. You see, they will not speak of Christ without operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be an effective Witness for the kingdom of God, you have to have the dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, they operated in complete power because of the Holy Spirit when they became witnesses for Jesus Christ in his kingdom. And because they operated in complete dunamis, in complete power, inherent power that became part of their nature supernaturally, they, 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 they went out, they witnessed for Jesus Christ and the captives became free. Bondages were broken in people's lives because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power and that power enables freedom. Let me say that again. If you can write that down, type that down, remember that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power and that power enables freedom. That power enables liberty. It's the other word that we use. Which brings me to the second point. I said power and liberty. The spirit-filled church is governed by power and liberty. In Acts chapter 5, if you can go there quickly, Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Regarding the important factor of liberty that the power of the Holy Spirit brings. The Bible says, Look what happened when they became witnesses for Jesus Christ in the earth. The Bible says in Acts 5 verse 12, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch. You see the word of God says that many signs and wonders were regularly done. Not a little bit, 
but many signs and wonders were done because they had inherent power the supernatural power of God flowed in them and then outside of them so the supernatural because of that supernatural power of God many signs and wonders were done in their immediate environment And if we are going to believe that this blessing was only for the early church, I need you to get this. If we, today's church, if we are going to believe that this blessing that is spoken of here, that many signs and wonders were done for those people through the power of the Holy Spirit, if we are going to believe that this work was only a sign for the early church, we might be missing out on one of God's greatest blessings for our lives personally. If that is our, our, our thinking and our mindset that, that this works through the power of the Holy Spirit was only a sign for the early church and that this works has ceased, then we might as well call it quits. Because Jesus said to his apostles, before you go, receive power first. So before you enter ministry and before you become a witness, you need to have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Because if, if, if that is the case, if that is the case, then we will only be historians behind pulpits. Very important, church leaders. If, if we believe that the gifts of God has ceased and it was only a sign for the early church and there's no prophetic ministry and all those things anymore, then we become historians behind the pulpit. And we'll tell people about a Bible that we fail to love the power of that Bible. You see, God did not call historians to pulpits. He called witnesses that are supposed to be filled with power so that the captives may go free. See, God uses the hands of a spirit-filled church here to touch the lost, the sick, and the broken. He, he used the hands of a spirit-filled church, a church that, that received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them to touch the lost, the sick, and broken. And if we are going to touch the lost today, the sick today, and the broken, it is important that we understand we have to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And power comes upon us when we receive the Holy Spirit. That is the only way we can be effective in ministry. And not just in ministry, I'm speaking here to the congregations as well, because normally we think that ministry is only for the person standing behind the pulpit. But, but where you are, where you work, where you find yourself, you will be an effective witness for Jesus Christ if you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 5 verse 13, then the Bible says, none of the rest dare join them. Listen to this. When they saw the signs and wonders that happened and how the power of the Holy Spirit took over and how the power of the Holy Spirit worked in the disciples, in the apostles, the Bible says none of the rest, the rest of the people dared join them. They didn't want to join them, but the people still held them in high esteem. You see, there were those 
who saw the power of the Holy Spirit working in the apostles and through the apostles. Those people still held them in high esteem. They were excited for what they saw and said, these are powerful. You remember what Simon the Sorcerer said? He said, these are powerful. The people said, these are powerful men of God. And, and, and at the end of the day, people held them in high esteem, but rather played it safe by not joining them. Let me say that again. They held them in high esteem, but they played it safe by not joining the apostles. I pray to God that this generation, our generation, would not play it safe. That we will not hold others in high esteem where the Holy Spirit works. It is so easy for us to look at videos and social media makes it easy. It's so easy for us to look at YouTube and see powerful works of the Holy Spirit, how he falls upon crowds. And I, I looked at the brilliant video this week where the Holy Spirit fell upon a crowd and, and, and that crowd was filled with the Spirit and something inside of me moved. And I said, this is what we need at the rock worship where the Spirit of God has liberty and where he has authority and where he works as he pleases and not as I pleases and may we become a generation that not only desires that with what we see but may we live in the same power of the Holy Spirit because it is easy to get excited for something that the Holy Spirit has done in someone else's life and still not form part of that work you see that is very important we, we, we cannot be a generation that brags about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of others while failing to be part of the blessing of the promise. And then in Acts 5 verse 14, the word of God says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women beautiful scripture you see when the whole when the power of the holy spirit came upon them a church record was broken if you thought that three thousand people being saved on the day of pentecost after peter preached about the promise that has come if you think that 3,000 people was a lot, the word says more than ever believers were added to the church. See, we, can, we cannot take the word contentment in the church and turn it into something that it's not. Because normally we can take that word and we can keep it small in the church. You see, and, and, and that's a fear that I have. I, I, I refuse to get to a point where we will keep the church small because we are playing it safe. It is important that we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to move and where the power of the Holy Spirit moves, growth is inevitable. Which I'm going to speak about in the next few weeks, about growth in the spiritual church will be one of our subjects but I love the part that states 
believers were added to the Lord. You see, the Bible doesn't say believers were added to the rock worship or any other denomination that we know about or any other specific church building. It does not say believers were added to that, to that specific movement or building. It says believers were added to the Lord. See, Edmund is very important in the church, but it is secondary. And I might offend some people by saying this. But I'm saying, Edmund is very important to count numbers and have uh, classes, membership classes in the church and everything. But, but I'm saying, Edmund is important, but it is secondary. See, church membership and classes is important, but it is secondary. In other words, when the power of the Holy Spirit delivers people, they commit to Christ before they commit to a specific church. They commit to Christ before they commit to a specific church. And this is where we have went wrong. We have started making people conform to our image and our standards in church. So whatever movement I push in the church, that person needs to look like the movement that I push in the church. But the truth is, when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, that person is conformed to the image of God and not man. So it is important that we understand that before I make someone a member of the rock worship, that person needs to become a member of the kingdom of God. And that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon that person and he receives power. So people need to commit to Christ before they commit to the church or the specific denomination. You see, the beautiful thing about liberty is that it comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes, it does not discriminate by putting men above women. Listen to what the Word of God says. It said, And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And that's why I disagree when people say the Bible is sexist and the Bible only caters for men. I disagree. The Bible says both men and women were added to the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 5 verse 15, then the word of God says, so when, when this happened, they even carried out, the people of the city, even, <laughs> I love this, the people of the city even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on courts and mats. <laughs> Worry, man. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. See, the, the liberty that came through the power of the Holy Spirit set people free, first of all, from physical illnesses, not only moral issues, but physical illnesses as well. 
So God is not only interested in your soul, but he is also interested in your physical body as well. And that's why we can see here that, 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 that the power of the Holy Spirit set people free from physical illnesses as well. And the power of the Holy Spirit was so heavy, and this is what I love, so heavy on Peter, that it moved through his shadow. Bible says when Peter walked, the shadow that he walked with would touch people and they would receive healing. See, the power of the Holy Spirit, that tells me the power of the Holy Spirit is unlimited power. It's limitless. So, so, so my question is, why would we limit the Spirit of God in our churches? While He wants to pour out limitless power. You see, when Peter's hand could not touch them, he shadowed it. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will do things that you have never seen in your life and through you that you have never seen in your life. For the lost, the sick, and the broken. See, there will be times where you think you have figured out how the Holy Spirit works just to find out that He blows your mind again. Peter preached, boom, 3,000 people born again, go, at once. And then after that, the Holy Spirit says, now I'm going to move in a different way. Your shadow will touch people and they will receive healing. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit may not always come in a way that we are familiar with. He may come in a way that we have never seen before. Limitless power. And we need to be open for that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Bible says in Acts 5 verse 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all healed. I, I want to say to us this morning, the power of the Holy Spirit markets itself. Where there is power in the church, all our energy will not fall completely into marketing. I do not have a problem with marketing. We do that in terms of the church. But I'm saying that our hand is secondary to the power of the Holy Spirit. If the power of the Holy Spirit resides in a church, and the church is a spirit-filled church, people will come with us without us having to market, because the Spirit of God heals, delivers, He sets free. Reminds me of a statement that Bishop Jakes made in one of his interviews with Pastor Stephen Furtick. Bishop Jake said, if you bring a solution to a community, you don't have to market that solution. Because people who have problems seek solutions. So if you are a solution in the community, you market yourself in that manner. And then people seek the solution. They come anyway. So all your energy is not spent on marketing. 
So it is important for us to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit market itself. Because people will come because they know the Holy Spirit will set them free from bondages. No wonder why people such as the late Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke could see stadiums fill up and stadiums repenting, receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit. No wonder people would run to those stadiums because they knew something was about to happen in that space. You see, these people operated in the power of the Holy Spirit and the people from all over the world would come for their brokenness, knowing that the power of God can fix anything. I'm going to say that word again, anything. God said to Jeremiah, Behold, is there anything too hard for me? See, the word states that some had demons. Some had unclean spirits. Some had demons. They struggled with strongholds. And only the power of the Holy Spirit could break that chain. You may be a super counselor, a great psychologist. You may be a great advisor. But there are some things that only the Holy Spirit in His power can break. Certain strongholds, you will counsel and counsel and give psychological advice over and over and over. And you will start wondering, but why is this individual not getting the message? And you might find that that person is dealing with a stronghold. And only the power of the Holy Spirit can remove that unclean spirit and set that person free that demonic force and set that person free. I'm concluding by saying when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, it also worked through them, both miraculously and morally. People were also being set free through physical illness. Miracles happened. But people were also being set free through strongholds. They got liberty morally. See, people experience healing as well as liberty from sin and bondage. The power of the Holy Spirit in the church is critical for the liberation of the church. Let me say that one more time. The power of the Holy Spirit in the church is critical for the liberation of the church. So what I'm saying is, us in the church, if we really want to see people being transformed and changed completely, if we really want to see broken families being restored, it is not an option but a commandment that we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For when we receive it, we will receive power. And that power give strength and ability to overcome struggles that is out of our physical or our intellectual abilities. So let us allow the Holy Spirit to lead 